If you have your Bibles, if you go ahead and open them up, turn them on to Ephesians chapter 4. We have been throughout this month emphasizing international missions and supporting and learning about missionaries who are serving around the world. Remember, there's four things that I've been asking you to do. Pray for our missionaries. Give to the mission offering that we're taking up during the course of this month. Go. If God leads you to go, and I think there are some from within our church that God is leading to go and serve as missionaries around the world, then follow that call and go. And then fourthly, I am praying that we might be a sending church that as we see places where we can send people to advance the gospel, that we will be active in doing that. I am glad to report that Samson Mall and his wife Joy are back from India where they continue serving with the Solid Rock Church that we've been so blessed to be a part of over the last few years. So whenever you see Samson, welcome him home. He has done great service there in India with the Punjabi people. Well, how was Christmas? How was Christmas? Raise your hand if, if you got to experience Christmas through the eyes of a child. You get to see a child experience Christmas this year. Raise your hand if all the adults got along. Did all the adults get along in your house? I hope so. That's always an accomplishment in and of itself, just having everybody get along. And, you know, at this point in the week, it's kind of like you're at the end of a big super buffet meal. You're kind of stuffed. You've experienced a whole lot, and there's a little bit of uh, fatigue that begins to set in along with contentment. And some of you are getting ready to take it all down and just wait again, and we'll do it again next year. But I've always been amazed at how Christmas draws people together. Families travel to see one another, and people will cover many, many miles in order to be home for, their, for Christmas. And people will put aside differences for that day that is Christmas. I saw that uh, even Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were being scolded by their Twitter followers because it was Christmas and they were told, hey, lay off for a day and just kind of get along. It's Christmas. The Christmas story is an amazing story of unity. And in it, God becomes man and his light draws those who are rich and poor, wise and simple, those that are near and far. He draws them to the one who is powerful enough to bring unity to our deepest divisions. And so this is a time of year when we emphasize what unites us rather than thinking about what divides us. Now here's an interesting question. What is it, and specifically I'm referring to the church, what is it in the church that we have in common? Well, that's what Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. So open your Bibles, look there with me, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. In the society in which we live, there is usually more that divides us than there are things that unite us. If you look at the political environment that we live in right now, 
we've reached a point where there's almost zero agreement. Uh, 10, 20 years ago, it seemed like, you know, you had the two major parties and, yeah, they had disagreement, but there was also overlap. There were areas where there was just general agreement. This is, this is how we saw our nation, and now it looks like there's, there's like nothing that they agree on. They're like diametrically opposed to each other, and the c- current political environment that we live in is almost like a, a second civil war. If you read the news, every day of the week there's some type of racial division that's within the news, and you'll see a protest in the streets, or you'll hear of something going on at a college campus. There's a lot of family division as we have kind of redefined what family is all about and what marriage is all about within our society. People are experiencing more and more division within the family. We're finding people doing the very best they can to try to bring together blended families. And a lot of times people are living with a lot of conflict within their family unit and relationships. And we also see a lot of division within churches. It always breaks my heart whenever I see churches that fight with one another or divide. Before I came to Murphy Road, I was a missionary for two and a half years up in Grayson County, the county just north of here. And so I would go to different churches, and I was always working with pastors or working with church leaders. And over and over again, I experienced this. The churches began fighting with each other, and then they began dividing. I used to tell them, hey, we want to start churches with vision, not division. Uh, But as we looked at the landscape and the churches around the county, many of them were started because there was a fight within one church, and then a segment broke off, and another church began from that. And I think that's so unfortunate whenever churches find themselves dividing. Uh, Here at Murphy Road, we experience a lot of peace and a lot of joy. This is really a good, good church. Uh, We're not a perfect church. There are so many areas where God is still working on us. There's areas where uh, we need to improve, where we need to grow as people, as believers. We're not a perfect church, but this is a really good church. Whenever people are new to a church and they like everything they kind of see on the exterior, sometimes they're worried that if they pull back the curtain and look behind, that they're going to be like, ooh, I don't like that. But we don't really have that here. I mean, what you experience uh, week in, week out on the stage is what, you know, it's the flavor of our church that I experience every day of my life. I truly enjoy being a part of this family and being a part of this church. If you enjoy fighting, if you are the kind of person that likes to nitpick other people, if you like tearing down folks and you always just want to be the king of criticism, then this is not the church for you. I can recommend some churches where you'll fit in really well. And, you know, you can go there and you can fight all you want, but that's just not, that's just not how we do life together. I'm not trying to be mean on that. I, it's just not who we are. But in my network, I often hear about churches that are fighting and dividing, and instead of sanctuaries, they have become war zones. And I think we miss the simple fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is an amazing story of unity. And whenever we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves as a part of what the Bible describes as Christ's body. We are a part of this universal body of Christ that exists all around the world in which we are united as believers, and then we are called 
to worship and grow and serve God in a local church where we commit to, we are there, we are faithful, and we are a part of a family that we call a church. And so like the shepherds and wise men, we come to the church with different backgrounds. We come with different gifts, but we are united by the one, the one who is powerful enough to bring unity to our deepest divisions. If you look at verse 2, we see the attitudes of unity. In verse 2, it says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. Now, before you roll your eyes and throw out your favorite tough guy quote, I want you to realize that this is God's Word. This is the Heavenly Father who inspired these words, and he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. In the church, we are to walk in humility rather than pride. The church is not a place where you puff out your chest and you say, hey, look at me, look how good I am, look at all that I do. The church is a place where we are to have a humble spirit. The church is a place where we are to speak with gentleness and kindness rather than violence. There should not be venom dripping from our words. We should put away cynicism and anger, and within the church, we should be able to speak with gentleness and kindness. The Scriptures say that within the church, we should be patient with one another. Now, I hear a lot of people say, don't you ever pray for patience, because if you pray for patience, God's going to give you all sorts of trouble. And yet the only problem with that saying is over and over again in the New Testament, the Scriptures teach us that we should be patient. And so I do not wish upon you hardship, but I do wish upon you patience. I pray that God develops within you patience. And sometimes the only way for us to develop patience is that we have to go through hardship We have to be around some difficult personalities, and we have to learn that whenever things get rough, you don't just run. In fact, if you dig down into that word, that's what it means. Whenever you find yourself in a situation where it's easy to leave, easy to run, easy to get angry, easy to throw up your hands and defeat, instead of doing that, you hold your ground, you hold to that which is right, and you remain there lovingly, patient with the people that God has called you to live life with. We have to realize not everybody's where you are. Within the church family, there are some that are more mature. There are some that are immature. There are some that think they're mature when in reality they're immature. There are some that might be close to the Lord right now. There might be some that are going through a rebellious period. There might be some that are going through a questioning period, and yet it requires that all of us come together in patience, stick with one another, and love one another, and we keep at it. The same thing's true in your marriage. The same thing's true in your relationship with your family, in your relationship with your friends. There's times where it might be easy to retreat, easy to run, easy to quit, But the Scriptures say that we should be patient with one another. And so I implore you, when God has called you to something, don't quit it. Keep doing it. Be faithful in what God has called you to do and to be, and be patient with one another. Then the Scriptures teach us that we are to be accepting of the fact that 
we are different. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by that next week. That's one of those catchphrases that's thrown out in society quite often uh, within the context of the passage. He's speaking about spiritual gifts and the different gifts that God has blessed believers with. And within the church, we have some that come from uh, with a teaching perspective, some that come with a serving perspective, some that are prophets, some that are merciful, and these different gifts come together within the church. And Paul says that we need to be accepting of one another's differences because we have been called by God to Christ, and yet we all have individual callings within the kingdom of God. Now, we do this for one another because of what God has done for us. Look at the end of verse 2. Accepting one another in love and diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit. Now, is that a little S or a big S? Big S. Diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit. Do you get the imagery there? Energetically, you're going at it. You are diligently trying to keep the unity of the Spirit in the church. You are active in trying to keep the unity with the peace that binds us. With the peace that binds us. We are able to extend love to one another because God has extended love to us. In the passage before this that we looked at a couple weeks ago, the Scriptures say, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love The idea is that of a mature tree that has become rooted in love. Its roots now grow deep in the love of God. In verse 18, he said, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. As a church, we sit beneath the canopy of God's love and we look at it and we are amazed at the height and the depth and the length and the width of God's love and we realize that as God has extended love to us that we also must be willing to extend love to one another. In the church, we are capable of having peace because we are bound together by the Holy Spirit of God, the Scriptures say. Now, that word bound is an interesting word. Syndesmos is the Greek word. It's it's the word that we use for a joint or a ligament or a band. Now, I'm not a medical doctor, but in your body we have tendons. And those tendons attach your muscles to your bones. Well, you also have ligaments, and those ligaments attach bones to bones. And where those ligaments attach those bones is at your joints. And so as you think about your knee and your elbow and the various parts of your body, you have ligaments that attach those and they they hold those together and they allow you to have movement and they allow you to have fluidity. If one of those ligaments gets messed up, then you lose your ability to move gracefully. Have you ever messed up a tendon or a ligament? Anybody ever messed up a tendon or a ligament? It'll it'll mess up your peace in a hurry. A few years ago, actually about a year ago, it was right at Thanksgiving, I was on a run and I felt a little twinge in my ankle and you have the tibialis tendon in your ankle. And I I had messed that up. Now, 
your, the arch of your foot is kind of held up by like a, like a drawbridge type structure. And if those tendons get messed up, then the arch of the foot kind of begins to fall and it kind of bangs against your, 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 uh, the bottom fascia there and it causes a great deal of pain. And so for, for quite a while, every step I took hurt. At the pinnacle of that, our illustrious Paul Reed and I went on a hospital visit. And so we were in downtown Dallas, and we smelled something. I smell barbecue, Paul. Do you smell barbecue? It was around lunchtime, and we thought, well, might as well try some barbecue. Well, it was about a mile away, so we thought, let's walk. Every step I took hurt. That was the longest mile of my life. I mean, every step. I, it took effort for every step. To top it all off, we were in a very rough area. We didn't realize it was so rough until we got to walking. People were looking at us. I was like, Lord, please help us live through all this. I thought if violence erupts, I'm not going to be much good because I can't even move. Our only hope would be that Paul Reed would be so nice that the mugger would just look at us and wouldn't have it in his heart to hurt us. So, you know, we, we finally made it to the barbecue joint, but that, that was hard walking whenever your tendons don't, don't work correctly. Well, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit binds the church together like the ligaments in your body connect your joints. And it's because of the Holy Spirit and His work in binding us together that even though we come from different backgrounds and we have different spiritual gifts, we're able to have peace because we are bound together by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you sever the Spirit, you sever the ligament, and then everything that you do as a church becomes painful. When people start working in their opinions, when people start walking in what the Bible describes as the flesh, rather than walking in the Holy Spirit of God, then suddenly everything that the church tries to do becomes hard. Every step is difficult, and there is pain, and there is agony, and there is hardship that begins to grip the body that is the church. Let's be real. In this room, there are some very different people. Now, we're not the bar scene from the Star Wars movie, but we're different. We have different backgrounds. How many of you grew up Southern Baptist? How many of you did not grow up Southern Baptist? Okay, so the Lord's brought people from different faith journeys together in this room. We have different family styles. If we were to talk to the different parents in the room, some of you parent uh, very strongly with a lot of rules. Some of you are like, hey, do what you want to do. You know, we have different educational philosophies, things like that, family backgrounds that we come from. We also bring to the church different ideas of what church should be like. And because we have different spiritual gifts, that spiritual gift drives your perspective. And so you tend to think that church should be like the way in which you see the kingdom of God through your gift. Nothing wrong with you having your gift, but understand that it brings with you a perspective. We have different personalities. Some are introverts. Some are extroverts. Some are, I learned, I learned a new word, ambivert. An ambivert is someone who has characteristics of the extrovert and someone who has characteristics of the introvert. The reason why I'm so excited about that, because that's me. 
Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm comfortable speaking before people. That doesn't bother me. I enjoy being around people. But I also really like seclusion. There are times where I like to be alone in the woods, away from people, and, and I really have to have both. Uh, I can't do this if I don't have the alone time. And, and because of that, I've always kind of wondered, am I introvert or extrovert? Or I'm an ambivert. But we all have different personality types that we bring to the table. And in spite of our differences, we are ligamented together. That's not really a word. I just made it up. But we are ligamented together. It's got a little red squiggly line on my iPad underneath it. I'm a doctor, though. I can make up words, right? By the Holy Spirit. And it's that that allows us to be one. It's that that allows us to move. It's that that allows us to grow and to go forward. Well, in verse 4, the Bible says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And from here, we can find seven things that unite all Christians. We have one body. Whenever you believe in Christ... You are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ represents itself all throughout the world in local churches. And yet we also have this understanding that there are believers on the other side of the world that we have never met that are also part of the body of Christ. And we are united with them in Christ. There is only one Savior. There is only one Jesus And it's in Him that we find unity and we are united as the body of Christ. We also have one Spirit. Whenever you believe in Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit indwelling you and coming to live within you. And the Holy Spirit shows you right from wrong. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible for you so that you can understand it and shows you how to live life not just in the physical world but in the spiritual world. Within Romans, Paul often talks about living life in the flesh or living life in the Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that allows you, empowers you to do those things which are holy and good. And so the Christian life is more than just willing yourself to be better, but the Christian life is about living in the Holy Spirit who empowers you to go towards those things which are righteous. And believers, we we have that in common, the Spirit of God. We have one hope. Whenever you believe in Jesus, then you look forward to the day whenever Jesus comes again. You look forward to things like heaven. And yes, we live in a world where there is injustice, and we live in a world where there is pain, and we live in a world where people die and where people lose their homes, and we live in this world where there is a lot of things that just cause us to grieve within our heart, but we have a hope that goes beyond this world, and that hope is in Jesus. And we have a hope uh, that He's going to come again, and that whenever we pass from this life, that we will be with Him forever in heaven. We also have one Lord, the Scriptures say. Whenever you believe in Christ, Jesus is the Lord. He is the boss. 
And so we yield to him. He is, he is the one who, who instructs us and guides us. And so, so often in, in church life, we, we talk about who's right, but in reality, it should be what's right. What has our Lord said to us? What has he uh, guided us? How has he guided us in this matter? We also have one faith. When you believe in Christ, you are believing in the faith. Now, here's how that word's used within this context. It's used in, in the idea of the faith. You, you hear people talk about hold fast to the faith, don't lose the faith. Well, the faith are those truths. The faith are those truths that we hold dear. Now, it's true among Christians that there are some matters of doctrine where, you know, we can have some differences of opinion when it comes to how the end times are going to unfold. Some of you are premillennialists, some may be amillennialists, some may be postmillennialists, some may be what we call panmillennialists. You say, I have no idea, I just know God's going to make it all pan out the way He wants it to. When it comes to matters of salvation, there's often differences on exactly how does all that unfold in a person's life and to what degree do we have free will and to what degree is God sovereign over the entire process and there's room for some disagreement in, in those matters. Uh, Christians support missions in various different forms, and there's room for liberty in that. But then there are things that are just core to the faith. And if you deny their truth, you're denying the faith. And the Bible says that we are united by our faith that we have in the gospel who Jesus is, what He has done for us, the reality that we are not God, but that He is, that we all fall short of God and are in need of His forgiveness, that He has brought to us grace and mercy and forgiveness through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He has overcome death through Christ, that Christ has ascended, and that Christ is coming to get again. That is the core of the faith, and we hold true to that. We're also united by one baptism. Now, I don't think that Paul is speaking of water baptism here, although I think water baptism is symbolic of what he's speaking of whenever he says we have one baptism. There's a theological truth that's taught throughout the New Testament, and that is that whenever you believe in Christ, spiritually speaking, God or the Holy Spirit immerses you into Christ. In other words, let's say, you know, here's Christ, the Holy Spirit of God places you spiritually in Christ. Now, this word baptize, uh, baptismo is the Greek word. It's, it literally means immersion. Uh, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit doesn't just sprinkle me in Christ. He immerses me in Christ. Now, why is that, why is that important? Because as a believer, God sees me immersed in Christ. And God sees me as righteous, even though I've done things that are unrighteous. God sees me as righteous because He sees me in Christ. I have eternal life on my own. I face death. But I overcome death not because I'm able to do that on my own. I overcome death because I was in Christ at the resurrection. And I have eternal life because I'm in Christ. I am God's child because I'm in Christ. That is the baptism that the Scriptures speak about. We are spiritually baptized into Christ, and God sees us immersed in Christ. And then the Scriptures say we have 
one God and Father of all. Whenever you believe in Christ, you have the God who is above all active in your life. Now, there's a wonderful parallel that's drawn here. One God and Father of all. That word God speaks to the power, the immensity of our Heavenly Father. So think about God in the sense of His majesty, that He's the one that has created all things, that He's the one that sustains all things. He's always present. He's all-powerful in every way. And the Bible says that we are united by that God, and that it also says that He is the Father of all. So not only is God all-powerful, but He also desires to be your Father. He desires you to be His child. He wants you to know Him and to relate to Him as a father would to his son or daughter. The all-powerful God of the universe says, I want to know you. I want you to be my child. And it's because of that that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is spoken of in the New Testament as a family. Maybe you don't really have much family. Maybe the family that you have is broken in a lot of ways. Well, the Scriptures say that in your church, you have a family. Well, Christmas didn't exactly go as planned for me this year. Uh, my, my dad had back surgery on December 21st, and my wife's 37 and a half, something like that, weeks pregnant. And <laughs> because of that, we kind of knew that Christmas was going to be a little bit unusual this year because we didn't want to go very far from home, and my dad was going to be recovering from surgery. And he got to come home on December 23rd. And then right after we finished up services here, I got home and I received a text that my dad was headed back to the hospital by ambulance, that he was in a great deal of pain, he was having nausea, his blood pressure was spiking, and so he was being taken to the hospital by ambulance. Well, they were able to get him there and get him stabilized and get the blood pressure down, and so... We went with the idea that it was complications from surgery, and he's now in his late 70s, and so you have to be careful when you have surgery at that age. Christmas morning came, and my children opened their presents, and right after they finished opening their presents, I received a text that my dad had been moved to ICU because he was having a heart, heart, heart attack, was what the text said. And so immediately, I was filled with a great deal of anxiety and trying to figure out, what do I do? I was about an hour away, and so I talked with my wife, and my in-laws were there. And so I found myself leaving my family and driving to Fort Worth to be with the family of my birth. And so we spent Christmas together in the hospital, and we ate Christmas dinner from the hospital cafeteria. And it was an intense day. We didn't know if my dad was going to be okay or not that day. He, he was emotional. All sorts of things go through your mind. I, I thought about the reality of losing my dad on Christmas. I even thought about the possibility you could lose my dad on Christmas while welcoming my son on Christmas. So it was a very hard day. I give thanks to God that um, yesterday we got word that the, the damage appears to be minimal. And, and he should be, should be okay. 
Then we had the tornadoes last night. We have people in our community that have died, people in our community that are going through a great deal of hardship. As I was driving home from the hospital on Christmas evening, I was trying to process all that had happened. And I knew I was going to be speaking on this passage on Sunday, and I couldn't escape the end of the passage. It says, there's one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. I don't have all the answers for life. I don't have all the answers to your theological questions. But I do know this, that there is one God of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. And when you find yourself in a life and death situation, I know that there is a God who is above all, and through all, and in all. When you find your community in danger and you find yourself huddled for shelter with your children, there is one God who is above all, and through all, and in all. Whenever we gather as a church and we come here from our various backgrounds with our various perspectives, there is one God who is above all, and through all, and in all. And I want you guys to know this morning how very thankful I am for each of you. And I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of this family that we call our church. After the tornadoes last night, the one thing that I was looking forward to the most after what's been a very emotional few days was just being here with you all, being with my family. Because when we're together, it's a sanctuary. And when we're together, there is love and joy, and there's a peace to be found. And so I urge you this morning to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, and diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment. I will be here at the front if today needs to be the day where you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray that you will follow His call and accept Christ as Lord and Savior today. It will be my joy to pray with you and to help you through that process. Just come see me. I want to be a pastor to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you, Father, for the love that abounds here. I thank you that grace abounds. And I thank you, Father, for the spirit that we enjoy. Help us, Lord, not to be angry Christians. Help us, Lord, not to speak with venom on our tongues. Help us, Father, to be humble and gentle, to love one another, to be patient with each other. 
Help us, Father, to think about the things that unite us rather than the things that divide us. And may we be aware that here within your church, there is something special. Because we have the bond of the Holy Spirit. We live in a world where people are often divided and people are often at war. But here in your church, there's a sanctuary. So I pray that we might be a family that loves each other, that's there for each other, and that we find strength from one another. Help us, Lord, to be godly, to reflect you. May grace abound in this body. Father, may you use this church to lead people, to worship you, to grow in you, to serve you. May our lives be changed by the power of your gospel. And Father, may there be light that shines from this campus, that shines brilliantly into the darkness and draws people to the cross. May you give us the joy of seeing people change because they encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. In your name we sing. Amen.